On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are joined by Bob Cowan from CHCH Morning Live. 20 years he's been on that show, never had him on our show though, until now. And we're talking about all kinds of things from vaccines to schooling to celebrities, even to how not to say the name of the movie, The Mighty Ducks. Just go check on YouTube and then tune in. Enjoy. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Let me bring in Bob Cowan. He is the host, uh, co-host of Morning Live on CHCH. Has been for 20 years now. Sir, how are you tonight? I can't believe my favorite CHML host did that. Oh my gosh. Well, Hi, how are I, you? I'm great. And I got thinking, I bet you that Bob Cowan, in all the 20 years that he has done live television for hours every morning, has never had a verbal muff-up on the air. Oh, you know, 20 years and it's been a, a, a clear record. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, I'm making stuff up. <laughs> Some of them I can't even talk about on the radio. Well, I, I happen to see one that exists on YouTube that I, I it makes me laugh every time, which involved um, talking about a movie that was being produced in The Mighty Ducks. <laughs> yes, well, it was The Mighty Ducks 4. And I added an extra F there. And next thing I know, I'm on YouTube. And uh, TV, moment, what goes through the mind? Because we can see the look in your face. Uh, is the immediate thought when you say something like that live on TV and the camera's on you that this may be my last show? Yes, that was <laughs> sheer terror. I was actually paralyzed in fear. It was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. And the best part about it was we've heard people have these before, but yours was, was with authority. It was so, <laughs> it was so clearly delivered. There was nobody wait, saying, wait, I think he said, did I hear that right? No, no, no. There was, there were old ladies around this city that spat their coffee and oatmeal out when that oh, happened. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, go bigger, go home, Scott. But, uh, and, and of course that came not long after, uh, you know, the incident on CHCH where a lot of uh, grandmothers spit out their cereal. <laughs> yes, the incident. We we mentioned that when Annette Hom was on here the other day. The incident. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. People know the incident. the incident. Yeah. Is that is that well, what it's just referred to around CHCH as the incident? <laughs> uh, no, we call it when we aired porn inadvertently. Although it wasn't our fault, but it was a technical thing. It's a long explanation for it. But all I know is we were on the six o'clock news in Budapest. I mean that thing went viral. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know when you're making the news in Budapest, something has gone horribly awry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, my favorite was actually Howard Stern dedicated the next morning to it. Really? Well, yes, that's the big time. Actually, well, yeah, that's what I thought, too. I, wow, this is really surreal. Yeah. Another uh, great moment from that was uh, a viewer told me that they were in the brick, and we happened to be on in the appliance section, in the TV section, on the huge, you know, TV wall, every set, every big screen. <laughs> <laughs> so I can just imagine over the intercom, everybody betting appliances, grab remotes, get get to it, shut them down. And I would think under normal circumstances at the management meeting the next day, when someone came in and said, man, we were on the news everywhere. That would generally be considered really good. Some report we did got picked up everywhere. This one, probably not quite so excited about. That's true. It was, an actually, uh, it was actually quite an accurate rating sample. We found out that we're number one in every waiting room in Ontario. <laughs> you are the CNN of airport televisions. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's behind us now, and uh, there's been, yes. uh, some technical changes to make sure that never happens again. I am amazed, though, honestly, and I, I say this legitimately, doing this each night, and there are moments when, you know, like this one, which yesterday was sort of silly. I mean, William Churchill instead of Winston Churchill, thankfully it was oh, just it that, happens. but yeah. it happens. That I'm always amazed that more bad stuff doesn't pop, because, I mean, there are just reams of words every day by people that's what it is it's just words and the fact that there aren't more that come out always amazes me yeah and of course we're live with um little or no delay and sleep deprived mm. it's a bad combination well i'll tell you next christmas we're gonna have to give you the audio so you can play it on your show the only other time i can recall that we've ever had a really bad word said was the voice actor for rudolph the red-nosed reindeer for hermy the elf dropped an f-bomb live on our show <laughs> 
Are you serious? <laughs> which 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 really caught me off guard. Of all the things, Hermie the Elf, I did not expect to be. Uh, anyway, that's um, th- that we've got the, that audio saved away in the vault for uh, for a rainy day or snowy day. Well, well, that just ruined Christmas for me, Scott. Like you never watch that show again. We should do the adult Rudolph. version of it, the dub, the adult dub version of Rudolph for after eleven o'clock on CHCH. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on nine hundred CHML. Joined this Friday evening by Bob Cowan. Twenty years now, he well almost twenty within a couple of days. We're moving next week. I think is the anniversary. Twenty years, the co-host of Morning Live on CHCH. That's a, a twenty years is unbelievable. Way to go! Oh, thank you very much, Scott. Thank you. It's it's actually yeah, kind of freaky. Where did the years go? It- uh, yeah, I want to get to that a little later on in the show about the morning live. But let's jump into this because this seems to be. I mean, vaccines are right now the story of the day. The, the government is scrambling and panicking a little bit because nothing's working, and we have very few of them. And one of the big questions is who should get the vaccines first? And this is something very few people seem to agree on. There's one argument that says they should go to elderly people who are in care homes or wherever else who are very susceptible. There's another argument that says no medical and frontline personnel should be at the front of the list. There's a third argument that says give it to kids. They're unlikely to get it, but let's make sure they don't get it and really solidify the that age group. Where do you stand on this? Who sh- who do you believe if we only have enough to give it to a certain group of people right now, who should be at the front of the line? Well, you mentioned uh, frontline healthcare workers and long-term care residents. I mean, those two groups need to be at the top of the list. But also, and full disclosure here, essential caregivers. Um, now, my brother and I, we are essential caregivers to our parents who are at a retirement residence. And we received our first shot. We were mandated to as essential caregivers. We haven't received the second yet because of the delays. It felt intuitively wrong to be getting it first but when you think about it we're coming from outside into this highly sensitive building it's essential that crucial that we're not bringing anything in from outside so that's why we were the first part of uh, that vaccination now the residents are being done but of course frontline healthcare healthcare workers all the way how uh, so an essential care worker what you're doing explain this i mean are you is your mom in a home and you go and do some of the work yes mom and dad and uh, okay so yeah so they assign uh, if you have two parents in the residence uh, two people are assigned so my brother and i uh, we uh you know we were uh, chosen within the family because geographically we're closest so we uh, pop by weekly and look after all their needs yeah you know what I, like that obviously makes a ton of sense and and, and to me you know this is going to be um some people are not going to like this. I'm not sure that vaccinating the elderly people in the long-term care facilities is where I would go first with this. I mean, I understand they are most susceptible, but the people yeah. like you who are coming and going, because if you're living in one of those homes, right. you're probably not leaving or coming back. They're largely and yet, isolated, true. And the people who are coming and going and dealing with that group of people to me is the one and and ambulance drivers, paramedics, firefighters, police officers. They're the ones to me that should be at the front of the list. But it seems that that's not, well, maybe that is happening. Clearly it's happening with you, but I don't know. I I don't get the sense there's a real plan at all about who should get it, but maybe there is. is, The thing is with the elderly, though, it is uh, quite, it can be you know, they're so vulnerable. I mean, it could be yes, fatal. Yes. Um, you know, many are in a, in a position where if they receive COVID, um, you know, it's it's not good. Uh, so it's essential that they get protected. Is the... Again, I, I just I just come back to this because, first of all, it, I wish we didn't have to have this discussion. It would be ideal if somehow... And whoever you want to blame, whether you want to blame the government or blame the distributors of the vaccines or whatever, but it would be ideal if we actually didn't have to have this discussion because we had vaccines coming in properly. We don't. Well, and what you end up with no. here is, and I hate this this saying, but in some way it's kind of accurate as a bit of a Sophie's choice on who gets this. Because whoever doesn't, at the end of it, if they get it, we maybe say, well, they should have got it first, but then it's too late. Oh, exactly. And yeah, it is an extremely tough call. Important thing is, is just to roll the damn thing out and get the vaccines here and uh, 
you know, expedite the uh, the rollout. Um, you know, and mistakes were made, but you know, at the same time, you can't play uh, armchair quarterback. But it was a little frustrating the um, story about the uh, Calgary company. Uh, they were asking for money last year. They were claiming they were just a couple of months behind Moderna, and they were looking for around thirty five million. They got eight. And it just, you know, wasn't enough. And, you know, is it a Canadian thing? We put more trust in the U.S. manufacturers, you know, but here we could have had a domestic vaccine possibly at this time. It is, it is embarrassing somehow. And, and it, that's a word that has come up more than a few times is so many other countries seem to have been able to figure this out and produce some. And yeah, I know that they announced this week that we're going to have domestic production uh, the prime minister said by, you know, starting in late summer, although his one of his ministers corrected him and said, well, probably by the end of the year, by the so end of the year is when we were all supposed to have been inoculated already. Yeah, exactly. So I can only imagine that this production facility will be trading vaccines for, you know, if there's um, booster shots or, you know, uh, more shots required next year. But it is definitely uh, a little late in the game. And, and that's assuming that even by the end of the year, uh, not to be too cynical and too negative, but we do know how often government projects land on time. Um, yeah. Th- this thing could be preparing vaccines for the year 2060. Uh, you know, yeah. who knows when this thing will be ready to go. But yeah, yeah well, I'm but glad you got yours because, though. Well, yeah. Um, and again, I, I only have the first shot and uh, it's a question mark in the second shot because of the uh, supply problems. But it is frustrating that um, like we are number one in the world for procurement per capita, and we're lagging at, I think, uh, last check, like 24th for rollout. Yeah, 28, for I think, is where the latest number 28? is. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like what we used to be in the Olympics. We did better now because we had <laughs> a, a, owned the podium, but back once upon a time, we were 28th, and we said, yeah, but it was a personal best, so we're good with that. Yeah, now this we is a personal best for us. Yeah, right. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Bob, we were talking just before the break about vaccines and who should get it and everything else. Now, let's just morph from that into something a little bit different here because we may have dodged a bullet in a way, and it's not the kind of bullet we want to dodge necessarily. We would like everyone to be vaccinated. We would like COVID to be gone. But because the vaccines are coming out so slowly, the federal liberals polling numbers are dipping a bit and this may prevent us from having an election coming up this summer. There have been lots of rumors that because the liberals are riding high in the polls with a minority government, they may try to force another party to vote against them to shoot down the government and we would be all having an election in the middle of a pandemic. Would that be acceptable? Under these circumstances, would it be acceptable for a government to ask Canadians to have an election and go to the polls in a pandemic? Um, I don't think it's healthy. Um, I, I think we need to get this behind us, uh, that that distraction. And, of course, you know, we are fighting COVID-19 coronavirus in a pandemic how do you really function in you know a virtual election of course but still i mean it's just uh, an unnecessary distraction let's just you know keep our keep our focus here in the pandemic and, and deal with that after is all not fair though in politics and war if you believe that your that your opponent is yeah, wobbling or that you can win that the opportunity is there is it not fair to do whatever well, perhaps that could bite them, though, you know, if that's the optics, you know, if they're being opportunistic. I suppose. I mean, I look, I, I have uh, I have come to the conclusion that I, I don't believe that the Liberals can lose because Toronto will always vote for them and Montreal will always vote for them and Ottawa will always vote for them and probably Vancouver. And to if you think of it that way, and maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, if, we, if we've got the, the polling numbers that say we're in majority territory, you know, yeah. why wait? Why wait? Do a strike it, while the yeah. iron's hot. Oh, yeah, and, and I can see that motivation, but I, my gut feeling is I don't think Canadians would appreciate that. Is there any, I was trying to think about that, is there any example where a government called an election, I'm sure there is, where a government called an election yeah. opportunistically and then it jumped up and bit them? I'm sure it's happened yeah. that it's blown up in their face. Yeah, I would think that's a risk. 
I just, I, I, I just, again, I go back to the, is there any, are there any rules of combat essentially, or is it, you know, if you think you can win, you do it. Well, yeah, not in politics, but, but again, uh, you know, that's part of the risk, you know, um, how that is going to be perceived by the public, you know? So I don't think it would be, it would be received well. There's also the issue of who votes. I mean, typically, now maybe things are changing. Uh, Typically, voters skew older. Younger people have been, you know, over the years, recently, there have been big pushes on to get younger people to vote. And I think that's going to continue to grow. I I think uh, younger people are are extremely engaged and uh, show up at the polls. But... Again, you go back to this and you say, okay, if we're talking about all is fair in politics, if in fact still voters tend to skew a little bit older, and if say conservatives tend to draw a slightly older demographic oftentimes, hmm, if the older people who are worried about COVID can't get out of their homes, they may not be as likely to vote. And our younger people, our younger voters may, hmm, perfect opportunity even more. I mean, look, are we being too cynical? I'm not sure we are because I I think politics is cynical, but... Yeah, yeah, and and it absolutely is, and and uh, you know I could absolutely see that happening. I just don't think it should happen. I think we have a major crisis right now, and I think that's the last thing we should be dealing with. Can politicians? It, it goes to that point. Can politicians walk and chew gum at the same time? Can they do two <laughs> things? Could you have an election campaign while also governing and handling this pandemic, or do you think that's too much for I, any government? I think it's an unnecessary distraction. I, I no, I don't think they can in in these circumstances. I mean, this is all hands on deck stuff. Again, yeah, I, I mean, I tend to agree. I tend to agree. But if we're not and even going to have campaign rallies, if you're just going to do it from your desk or whatever, they can probably say, "Well, I can still make my calls and do my stuff, and then do an hour of rallying people on my computer, and hey, we're all good." Yeah, it's still a distraction though, you know, and it's just not getting the job done, job one done, you know. And your, your, your comment about the risk, I think is absolutely fair because if you were to call, like, even if, even if your campaign, even if your polling numbers are pretty good right now, you do run the risk because you don't have an election the day that you call the election. And there are six weeks or seven or eight weeks in there. And if the vaccine thing goes south, if you don't have reason to believe that we are imminently about to see a vast improvement in the vaccine situation, that would be a huge risk that eight weeks down the road, people are still waiting and your polling numbers fall through the floor. There's your risk. And I agree with you on that one. Yeah. And I can just see the campaign managers for the other guys, just, you know, the ammunition they would come up with. First of all, Seriously, you're calling an election after failing with A, B, and C, D vaccine rollout. I mean, they would fire all guns at them. And again, the aforementioned optics of pulling that stunt during a crisis. Your word is totally fair and it's a totally acceptable word, but is there a word in our society today other than other than organic, which I truly hate, like I just, I, like, <laughs> But optics, is there an, an over, is there a word that we need to find a new word for more than optics? Oh, perhaps. Yeah. Maybe I was, I was the guy that just used it that one time that put it over the top. And now <laughs> we have to banish it. <laughs> it's a perfectly acceptable word. It's just one of those ones that it, it, it's, 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 boy, it's, it didn't seem to exist a few years ago. And, and now yeah. it's, and like it's, organic. It's, it's true. Oh yeah. And you know, I agree with you on that one. I, I have heard it in some situations and it's like, yeah, kind of eyeball roll. And, and, and just a word of advice. If you're going to talk about the mighty ducks for try not to use <laughs> organic, because that word could take a sad twist too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML. Bob, earlier this week, we had Don Danko on the chair of the Hamilton Public School Board talking about a number of things about March break and about schools coming back and everything. And last night we had Paul Bennett, who's one of the top education analysts in the country. And one of the questions that came up sort of with both was the idea there are kids who 
have really struggled with the online learning over the last number of months, but there are other oh, yeah. kids that have done really well with it. There's whether it's not being distracted by other kids around them, or they've been bullied or they're socially awkward at that particular age or whatever. They've, they've, they've just really done well with the online learning. And it raised the question, should we, when this whole thing is done, offer or find a way to offer online learning exclusively as an option for kids? Or is that ridiculous and we should say, no, everybody back to school? Well, yeah, that's interesting because, yeah, you're right. I mean, some kids really struggle with it and then others excel. It depends on the student. But like so many things in the pandemic that that have changed, and, and some of them we wonder, hey, is it permanent? You know, post-pandemic, this kind of works. And there have been some advantages observed with uh, online learning. Uh, so perhaps maybe, um, you know, this should be offered up as a blend or a hybrid of some sort. But, uh, you know, there's actually some studies that are showing that they're finding increased retention with uh, online learning for many students. You know, yeah, and, and it uh, wouldn't be it wouldn't be something that everyone wants because there are kids who no. are just dying to get back to school, and some kids that are really they, they have a hard time paying attention when it's on their computer screen. And I don't know how you would do it. I mean, honestly, that that's maybe the trickiest part. I don't know how you would do it to have a mix of in class. Although, do they not kind of do that with university uh, lectures yeah. that you can tune in? Yeah, yeah. So perhaps they could build in some flexibility there and where it works. Because um, you know it can save time, and uh, again, it can enhance it can enhance the student experience for many students, not all, but many. And cost if you effective were, as well. Well, that, yeah, for sure, because you could have a theoretically you could have a class of five hundred. I mean, really. And now, if yeah. you were a parent of a kid who really wanted to do this, would it matter to you? If the teacher had 500 students and was located in Calgary, but was teaching grade 11 physics and, you know, it, it, what's the difference, yeah. I suppose, if they're here, does it matter? Do they have to be a teacher that's here and close to them and in their school? Or could you have a central clearinghouse? Well, as, as long as there's access and good interaction and it's not oversized because, you know, you still need that, you know, that one-on-one -on -one attention available. Is there anything now you're, a, I mean, you're a very social guy. Everybody knows that you're a person who likes people and likes being around. So it's probably a hard question to ask you, but there are people who don't live that way, who really like being a bit of a loner. Is there any part of this idea that would be a really bad idea because we're giving kids who would prefer not to be around anyone that opportunity? Do we want to force kids into socializing because it's an important component of the high school experience or is that overrated if you're really uncomfortable? Well, I mean, I think it's an important component. Um, if a child or a student is truly uncomfortable with it, um, you know, no, I, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't like the idea of that being forced on them, but I recognize the importance of it. Yeah. I mean, look, we, we, well, not we, but everyone has heard jokes about kids who are homeschooled. Uh, this would be essentially that only slightly different. And, and, you know, the joke always is, and I don't think it's a fair joke, but the joke always is, you know, the homeschooled kid is not socially, right. you know, adjusted or whatever. Yeah. You would theoretically be creating a whole bunch of kids that we would jokingly say, or, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's fair or not. In, in a modern uh, world where you have so much opportunity to interact, even if it is online. Right, yeah, because it's a different world than when you and I were growing up. So, you know, yep. there is the uh, online, you know, social, uh, you know, interaction. So maybe it's not as much of a factor, but it's certainly a valid point. Your, 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 consider. your school dances would be different. <laughs> yeah, it would suck just the same. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you and I probably... Way. You and I would probably have just as many dances as if we had been at school when back in the day. Exactly. Uh, well, you, yeah, you were, that would be seamless. Zero. You, you're you're probably the ladies' man back in school, but um, I'm still trying yeah, to figure no. out how you dance to a stairway to heaven when it gets really fast. <laughs> yeah, I was just in the corner. Yeah. No, I, I say this, this is a really interesting one. This not the dancing part, the 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 school part. It's yeah. a really interesting one because. I do think that there is going to be a call for this to be available when it's done. 
I mean, you're going to have to get the teachers unions on board. That's going to be tough because they're not going to want to have jobs going away. Although maybe you could have more jobs. Uh, I, right, I don't but, know, but, but I just, I earlier. Well, yeah. And it would cost some money. I just, I just don't know. But if you have a kid whose marks have suddenly skyrocketed, how do you make the case that it's not good? Right. Yeah. And you might want to capitalize on that. You know, if something's working, yeah, let's uh, refine this. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Bob, I don't know if uh, if you guys had anything on this yet. If you didn't, I'm sure you will. But there is a story at the spec and a few other places I've seen now about a place called Ravenscliff Castle being for sale here in Hamilton. Are you familiar with oh, Ravenscliff yes. Castle? Yeah, yeah. And it's in the Duran neighborhood, and it's a it is a castle. It is a it, it, it's a big castle on a bunch of on a big property, and it's up for eight point well almost nine million eight point eight 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 million dollars. Huge place, and I got to tell you, this is one of those stories that people just love. They just gobble this stuff up. And here's my question for you: Why? Because none of us are affording it. Well, maybe you are. I don't know, but none of the rest of us are <laughs> affording this. Why are we so fascinated by looking into homes like this that we will never, ever, ever own? I know it's true. That's why the real estate, uh, you know, the uh, home improvement shows are huge, but yep. not just the home improvement shows, but also the, uh, you know, the house hunters series, you know, shows like that. People love it. Just love it. Yes. It's, it's like real estate porn. It's exactly what it is. No, that's exactly. And we're in the, and you know, the amazing thing about those shows, we'll get back to this Ravenscliff in a second. The amazing thing about those shows is I'll watch them. I'm not going to lie and say, I don't watch them. I do. I really enjoy them a lot of the time. And you'll watch like house hunters international. And I'll all of a sudden decide, you know, I really think we need to explore buying a house in Costa Rica. And there's no good reason for it, but it suddenly seems like a really good idea. (laughs) Next thing you know, it's life changing. Why did we watch that channel? That's right. Well, now we That's right. I didn't even know where Bahrain was, and suddenly we owned a house there. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we're there. Yeah. But, but uh, it's true. I know, just looking at other worlds and other lives and, and just imagining, you know, and, and sometimes it's just for inspiration, you know, and what to do with your own abode. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, as soon as I saw this story at thespec.com, I, like a lot of other people, immediately went on and started looking through all these pictures. And here's the thing. It's not just, I hate to admit this, although I'm going to, this is me admitting probably a personality flaw, but one I think I share with a lot of people. It's not just looking at the home. It's using the J word. It's judging the home and probably (laughs) the people who were in there before with their taste and their style and everything else. It's probably not great to say that. Well, yeah, it's probably not but, great to say that, but that's what it is. We're judging. Oh, you know that. Oh, that room. That's awful. Oh, that room's beautiful. But you know, it, but that's what we do. We're judging everything. Absolutely, or we're judging, or we're jealous. Well, that too. That's the other J word. Yep. 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 <laughs> no, but <laughs> but I was going to say, but I really do like to just peek into other homes just to get ideas. We were talking about this the other day with someone, and and it's a similar thing. Although, once again, how many of us are truly thinking of doing work in our home. So yes, those people who are looking for ideas or you clip out stuff. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. I I just, it's a fascinating thing. Whoever it was at HGTV or all these other networks who first had this thought, it is genius. It is. And it's genius in the same way that, you know, cooking shows. Why do I want to watch someone cook a lasagna? It makes no sense. That one I don't get, actually. The only cooking show I ever liked was the Galloping Gourmet. <laughs> yes. Uh, what was his name again? I can't remember his name. Gordon? Graham, no. Graham Kerr. Graham Kerr, yes. Graham Kerr. Yeah. I think he's, is he still alive? I think no, he might be. Away. Yeah, like it's like it's spelled K-E-R-R, like you would think it's Kerr, but I'm pretty sure he pronounced it Kerr, but uh, whatever. But he was hilarious because yeah, he was half sloshed during the show. Uh, the, the now I'm going by Wikipedia, which is always a high risk maneuver here, but it says that he is still alive. Oh, sorry, Graham. Really? No. Well, I he, you've just given me an idea here. Ottawa. Yeah, I watched that show when I was a kid, and I had assumed it was from the U.S. or somewhere, but um, he actually filmed that in Ottawa, and it was syndicated around the world. 
And those early shows, you're right. He was funny because you're right. He he tended to take a few extra swigs of whatever white wine it was that he used in, in seemingly yeah. every dish. Hey, we're making yeah, oatmeal was, today. Better put some white wine in it. Um, yeah, yeah. But, and he was always talking but, about his wife uh, that you never <laughs> saw. I think her name was Trini, Trish or Trini. Trina, or, Trina very Trina, good, yeah. Trina? Yep, yeah, very yeah. good. Again, going by Wikipedia, so maybe it's right, maybe it's not, but you, you've said it, so it's probably true. And then there was Yon Can Cook, which was, you know, another yeah. interesting Canadian one. But yeah, we, for some reason, and now, now it's morphed into just having Graham Ramsey screaming obscenities at people and talking about the Mighty Ducks at them at loud yeah. volume. <laughs> yeah. But, and that's another show I don't get. Like the drama in that show, it's cooking. Oh. Gordon, Gordon yeah. Ramsay. I'm having a hard time with names. Gordon Ramsay, not William yeah, Churchill, yeah. not Gordon Ramsay. Like, anyway, you know what I mean. Oh, I, yeah. I missed a golden, I missed a golden opportunity earlier in the show because we were talking about, uh, you know, uh, the governing party taking advantage of polling numbers and calling an election during a crisis. And I was, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, William Churchill would never do that, Scott Radley. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. He never would have. That was <laughs> that was Winston's lesser known brother. He was a pig farmer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you pulled that from Wikipedia, so that, that was that's, that's what happened. That's true. It did say his 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 other brother was a postman in England, and it just never succeeded as much as Winston did. But yeah, I I, I go back to this Ravenscliff Castle though. Now I've got that name right. It is Ravenscliff yeah. Castle. It, it's it, it's well, wow. That, you know, you talk you hear in the real estate business, good bones. That place has good bones. I will be fascinated. Somebody put on Twitter and I hadn't really thought of it yet today, although it's just a new story, but I, I'll be very interested. Someone pointed out every home that goes in Hamilton these days seems to be going above asking price with a bidding war. I'm not well, sure that a $9 million home will, but you know what? There are people in Toronto yep. who... Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But it's exciting for homeowners in Hamilton too, the way uh, housing prices are going crazy. It could have been, you know, had you guys, had you guys not been building a new home already for CHCH, that could have been it. You know what? (laughs) You're right. It's too late to put it in reverse, but that would have been perfect. That would have been perfect. Yep. It's, um, it would have been very historic. Anyway, it's a, people can go find, if you want the pictures, if you want to see the video, there's lots of stuff. It's at the spec.com. It may be on CHCH. I'm not sure it may be elsewhere, but you can go and look up lots and lots of pictures and you can see the inside of this place. Unlike a lot of these old homes that yeah. seem like the better days are behind them. this one. As you say, it is magnificent inside. It's truly beautiful. And, so, and I've never seen a building with so many windows. And curved walls and, uh, yeah, all kinds of things, but truly a fascinating place. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let me bring Bob Cowan back in, co-host of Morning Live on CHCH, where he has been working faithfully every morning, getting up before the roosters are even crowing every single day for 20 years. Can you even sleep? Can you even sleep normal hours anymore, Bob? No, this is the latest of being up on a Friday night for some time, Scott. <laughs> what time do it's you get up? The, it's this. What time do I get up? I get up at two thirty. Uh, yeah, and uh, people say, "Oh, you must get used to it." No, there's no getting used to it. <laughs> well, and every this... Friday night, it's the same routine. You know, we'll, we'll be watching some TV, and I get the elbow. You fell asleep. Oh, I'm up. I'm up. I'm up. Just tell me what happened in the last five minutes. Yeah. You mean hour and a half? Or hour and a half, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah you a, know it's a good movie if on a Friday night Bob Cowan is awake and sees the whole thing. You know then it's a gripping movie that must be recommended. Yeah, that would be the review on the poster. I saw the end of it, Bob Cowan. <laughs> it is, I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be brutal. And here's the other thing. I've, many years ago, I was on Morning Live for something. I can't remember what it was. My son's been on there before. Yeah. And he, when he was helping with the Little League Championship in Ancaster a couple of years ago, and he oh, was yeah. on with uh, with Bowen. And so, I mean, look, it, it's it's a great program. Say, it's been going for 20 years. It's got to be a great program. But it's not just you guys, because you've got guests who come on, and most of them have to be just walking in a haze, because nobody is used to <laughs> that time of day. Yeah, we appreciate people getting up that ridiculously early to join us on the show, for sure. And I would think you're the only person without a problem who would be drinking alcohol at seven in the morning some days when they, it, when they yeah. have tastings. It's, it's an on the job hazard. 
Yeah. I yeah. More, yeah. Yeah. More my I drink more more martinis before seven a.m. than like <laughs> <laughs> military ad. Yeah, there's um if if you're drinking booze at that time of day, you are either an alcoholic or Bob Cowan, and that, that would <laughs> it that goes the morning show. It's morning show territory for sure. It is, and and not only that though, because you also have a lot of people not right now, of course, but you have a lot of people who come in and do food, you know, cooking and things like that. And look, some of that stuff looks amazing, but some of it looks amazing for lunch or dinner time. I'm not sure I could wrap my mouth around some of those things to eat at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, well, that's true. I don't have a huge appetite in the morning. I usually fast during the show. But then again, it's work related. Sometimes I, I have to eat. I've had a break during the pandemic because all of our segments are virtual now. Yeah. Now, now who's regretting the virtual now that that food that you didn't even want now it's not there. <laughs> Suddenly it's like, man, we got to go back yeah. to that. Now it's looking good. Yeah. Bring me that garlic soup at 6 30 AM again. <laughs> I want that. Yeah, yeah. But now Boland's in charge of all the eating. No, there you go. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it is the plum job. It really is the plum job. But again, 20 years. I mean, it is amazing that you guys have been doing it for 20 years. And you were, you and how many other day oneers are there who are still there? There's just two day oneers, myself and uh, cameraman uh, Luke Gudgeon, who are we're part of the day one team. We've got some of the day oneers coming back to us for the anniversary show. Kathy Wagner will be joining us. How did you get the job? How did I get the job? I was with uh, Global. Uh, I was the entertainment guy. And um, now I was doing uh, all the Hollywood interviews for for Global. And when they purchased CHCH, of course, you know, I'm from the area. And I was based in Atlantic Canada at the time. But I was part of, uh, they had a team of us doing the Hollywood interviews uh, in Toronto, Halifax, and Winnipeg. But anyways, so I was situated there. And when they bought CHCH, and I found out they're doing a morning show. I always wanted to do a, a TV morning show. And the fact that it was Hamilton, I started working the phones. And uh, I'm just still thankful to this day. Um, you know, besides getting up at the crack of stupid. Yep. Uh, <laughs> 20 years. And uh, I just love this job. Love, love, love it. I don't think my alarm on my phone even has an option for 2.30 a.m. I, I think I've got the human phone that they say, no, I'm sorry, we're not even going to let you set an alarm for then because nobody should be getting up at that time of night. Yeah, it's a fresh hell every morning. But you know what? It's, it's, it's a fun <laughs> team and uh, it's just fun doing the show. So that, uh, that makes it bearable, more than bearable. All right, let's go to, you just touched on the fact that you were doing entertainment stuff. Now, one of the things that traditionally, and again, COVID sort of screws everything up, but traditionally you have been the guy who, when the Toronto International Film Festival is rolling into the area, you are down there a lot of times on the red carpet doing the interviews with celebrities. How do you, what's the key to a good celebrity interview? Because I think it's very different from a regular interview that you're diving into deep topics. I mean, this is skimming the top of shallow waters, but it still has to be interesting. How do you do it? Well, that's the thing, and you really the, the challenge is to ask them something that they have never been asked before, and try and you know catch them with that. That oh wow okay let me think about that, you know, and uh, they spend a little more time with you. Yeah, the Brian Linehan school of interviewing. Oh man, the master, and of course a lot of that was done right here at CHCH. But. Okay. So, I mean, the, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. It is, and it seems like a very good strategy, but if you're standing beside or on the red carpet and there is just one person after another, and you don't even know who's coming. And so you can't completely prepare because yeah, you you may know, I know Tom Cruise is showing up for the movie today, but all of a sudden someone else that you didn't even know was going to be there pops up and you grab them. How do you, how do you come up with that perfect question right there when you have no prep time? Well, that's extremely difficult. And adding to that is there's a publicist holding them by the elbow, ready to pull them off. So, you know what, um, that's an environment I, I don't really like. Um, no? I prefer, I prefer, well, no, I prefer the sit-down interviews, which is what I used to do. Um, and, you know, you can actually spend some time with them and, and get into stuff. I I have always thought that, I always thought you must have enjoyed doing that. Meanwhile, I'm looking at it going, that would be literally my worst thing. I mean, I would hate to do that. Just that, that one question that yeah. again, you've got to, uh, yeah. but you look like you always enjoy it. I'm surprised to hear you say that's not your favorite thing to do. Well, it, no, it really isn't. I mean, you know, um, 
it, it's kind of stressful because you know you, you plan it out best you can, but there's just so many uh, so many variables and so many curveballs, and you have so little time with them. So yeah, it's really not you know it's it's the glamour, it's the paparazzi, you know, and and people are drawn to that. As far as in the interview process, I mean, no, that's not a good environment. Anyone ever blow you off? Uh, no, thankfully not. And uh, I've had I find the bigger the star, the nicer they are. Um, you know, they're comfortable in their place in the world, and and uh, they're very there's a contentment. And with that, um, you know, the ego is you know set aside. You know, they you know they're just uh, they enjoy their there's there's a select number of A-listers that I found they enjoy their fame and they like sharing. You know, and, and yeah. Was there was there somebody that you put on your list that, that when you talk to people at a cocktail party or over coffee or whatever, and they say, who did you get to meet? Is there one person that's at the top of your list that was really cool to meet? Um, I think probably, I, I've got a few, but if, I, if I'm forced to just choose one, I was pretty thrilled to uh, be able to sit down with Tom Hanks because I'm yeah. Yeah. obviously a huge fan. It was funny, actually, when I uh, interviewed him, in California, uh, when Ca- this was when Castaway was being filmed. I was interviewing him for the movie The Green Mile, which I love. Yep, uh, yep. Based- yeah, so, but he was filming Castaway. Have you seen Castaway? Yes, about a hundred times. Yeah, yeah. So Every time it comes on TV, you go, oh, okay, I'll stop and watch. Yeah, so he had the beard from Castaway, and also... He had an eye infection that particular weekend. So he had dark Wayfarer glasses on with that crazy beard. And I walked in the room and he's sitting there looking like that. And that was my icebreaker. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I've got the ZZ Top Room. (laughs) See, clever. That's quick. That's good. That's good. And when he found out I was from Canada, he goes, oh, I was actually uh, just in Canada. And again, with that movie... Um, if you remember the opening scene, he was the uh, FedEx guy in delivering yes. in, or picking up. Um, he was uh, in Moscow on one of his runs. Well, yes. when they were shooting that scene in Moscow, he got there by a private jet with a fueling stop in Nunavut. And he was actually standing out in the tarmac at Nunavut waiting for uh, the private jet to uh, fuel up. And I said... My... No, go, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say... Oh, none of it. Okay. We have better shopping than that, but that's that you're <laughs> yeah. just in Canada. My nightmare scenario too. And the reason why I, I look at the people who do that with a sense of awe is because as you've already heard on the show, I got Winston Churchill's name wrong and I got Graham Kerr's name wrong for whatever reason, <laughs> names these days are caused. But to, when you, I can see someone coming down the carpet and know that I know who that person is. But the instant recall to be able to remember, because the one thing you cannot do with a celebrity, I'm guessing, is get their name wrong or think that there's someone else that they're not. That that oh, would be the... Pole. Then you're dead in the water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's no recovery. Yeah. yeah. If you want to see this one, there was a there's a famous one that's on YouTube that you can find where a, a guy interviewed Samuel L. Jackson and confused him with Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, that that did not go well. But it also reminds me of, uh, of you know, God rest his soul, Larry King, who we just lost. Mm. That uh, the uh, video with Jerry Seinfeld went viral. I mean, it's so easy to offend, and Larry inadvertently made a comment about um, Seinfeld. Did did you yes. end the show or was, yeah. it, was it canceled? <laughs> Jerry just went. Do you what, think what? I ended the show? What? Yeah. yeah. We were number one, Larry. Yeah, number yeah. one, Larry. <laughs> we had 45 million viewers a week. Yeah. yeah. Sorry for my bad <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld impression, but yes, that's a, that's a great one because it's like, again, it's like, you know, you're supposed to be talking to this person and, and here's the worst part too. You realize, I'm guessing that when you're standing there, everybody watching knows what you're supposed to know, but you may be the only person who doesn't know the answer. Yeah. 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 I, I look, I, I applaud you for that one because those, um, those things, look, everybody loves them. Everybody wants to tune in and quite honestly, a lot of people are hoping for the car wreck, but (laughs) that's what YouTube's for. 
That is what YouTube is for. I, I, that's one I can live without. And, and weirdly I could do it if it was athletes, you know, but, but the celebrity thing, the, I just, boy, it, it just, it seems like a, it seems like one I don't want to dip my toe into too much. Give me half an hour or even 15 or 10 minutes with someone, but the one question, ooh, yeah. no, no thanks. Well, when, when you're asking about favorites too, um, also on my list, and we've been fortunate on the show because of course, you know, we're into our retro programming and we've got Gilligan's Island on. Yes, and we had, yes. And we just lost Marianne Don Wells, but I was just so thrilled to be able to interview uh, people like Don Wells. She came and visited Morning Live and Gary Sandy from WKRP. And, um, oh, man. Loretta Swit and Jamie Farr from MASH, you know, and just, you know, those television icons and actually be sitting and, and talking to them and just, I, I get a real thrill about that. And, I, you know, I'm not in the business. I'm like, you know, I'm just a fan, you know, when I'm talking uh, hey, to them. Hey, there's our crossover right there. We had Jamie Farr on this show when he was supposed to be appearing at, I believe, Theater Aquarius and then oh, got okay. sick yeah. like a week before and had to cancel. And, and uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, but no, Jamie Farr was on. We had uh, Greg Brady on here a, a, uh, oh, about a year ago, who was fantastic. Um, Ralph Malf was on oh, here no a way. little while. So, but it's the same thing. When you have enough time to sit and talk for 10 minutes or 12 minutes, it's great. It's that one question thing that is just, it's daunting. It's daunting. And and here's the thing. I I, I don't know about you because you've been there. I look at those entertainment shows where they do this day after day after day. And to me, it is absolutely to watch too much of it. It, it oh, kills brain cells. Yeah. It's just so vacuous. Yeah. That's a good word for it. Do you ever, and now we lost uh, Christopher Plummer today. Do you ever talk to Christopher Plummer? No. And I wish I had, I would have I interviewed Donald Sutherland, but not Christopher Plummer. And I would have loved to. Yeah, 91, for those who didn't hear this, sorry for dropping the bomb on you, but yes, Christopher Plummer from Sound of Music and like a million other things, Montreal-born actor, 91 years old, died today. Oldest, I didn't realize this until today, I saw this, oldest Academy Award winner ever, which I was surprised yeah, by because right. wasn't, yeah. didn't the woman from Titanic win or was she only nominated for that? Because she was I, up there. Yes, anyway. I guess uh, only nominated. Yeah, I was reading one of the bios and they said, and he didn't receive any formal training and i'm going what he started his training in stratford the stratford festival the world famous stratford festival he was, and he, he was on stage with william shatner yeah and he sounded like an old school star yeah. he just carried himself like he was born as a celebrity mm-hmm. he had, came out he of the womb a, doing that yeah he had that presence Absolutely, he did. Now, uh, before we let you go, because we got to uh, we got to let you get off into your evening and go to bed, because it's three hours past your bedtime. <laughs> of all the celebrities, too, I started this thing by jokingly, not in, unintentionally, saying about the weekend. Are you a Super Bowl? Because that's this weekend. Are you a Super Bowl halftime show aficionado? Um, no, I'm not um, a football fan. Uh, we actually lost one of our biggest football fans at CHCH. You've got her, Diana Weeks. Yes, yes, yes. Big Cleveland Browns fan, which is yeah. um, somewhat but, masochistic. But, no, I, but I'm into. I, I'm a huge um, chili fan. I'm a food fan. I'll be eating <laughs> on Sunday, but I'm. I'm not. A, no, I'm not a big football fan. Uh, okay, so you're. You don't even tune in for the halftime shows. Sometimes. It's, uh, it, it is amazing where we've come from. The very first yeah. one, which I, uh, was, I was the University say, of Arizona marching band. That was yeah. it. That was the, you'd bring on the marching band. <laughs> really? And that's how through, it started? That's how it started. And then Carol Channing shows up, uh, by Carol Super Bowl Channing. six. Yeah. Carol, you imagine you pay now $25,000 for a ticket or whatever it is to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And they say, what's the halftime show? And they go, Carol Channing. Carol it's like, Channing. Oh. <laughs> what does she have a day off from doing a guest spot on love boat <laughs> <laughs> wow well it certainly evolved since then all the way to uh, wardrobe malfunctions and the weekend this weekend uh the weekend this weekend and the other one that i always found to be uh, a little disconcerting let me see if i can just find the list here it was um it was um it, it involved michael jackson and uh it was michael jackson and uh, you know a, a choir of hundreds of children it's like well i don't know who thought that one through too well <laughs> a horrible idea yeah that's right <laughs> find something else michael jackson and a chorus of motown stars that would work that would be okay but yes yeah it was, uh, yeah that was uh, yeah, yeah, it, 
ill, ill-conceived idea, yes, but it was a it was a huge success. It was a huge success, and we'll see. I I, I have learned something. Uh, the weekend, who is the halftime show this year, is a Canadian guy and yep. a Canadian performer. And I've realized that I only know one song of his. And the only one I know, it's because I've heard it now on a commercial setting up the halftime show at least 25,000 times in the last right. two months. Yeah, I, It's I, amazing, though, how many superstars we are exporting these days. You know, we're uh, kind of in another sweet spot where, you know, from Drake and The Weeknd and uh, just so many, like on the world music stage, you know, how Canada punches above its weight. I remember back in the 90s, we uh, had the lion's share of uh, female singing divas with uh, Celine Dion and Shania Twain and Sarah McLaughlin. And here we are in you know, it with the guys. Yeah. And well, I'll go back before then. I mean, if you want divas and female stars, Joni Mitchell and, and you oh, know, yeah. go back even. So yeah, no, we've, we've, we've certainly done it. There's something in the Canadian air or something that makes us uh, funny and good singers. Although yeah. I don't know about you and your singing. Not That's you not I, me. But- you get the funny, I, I and I don't get the singing. So, uh, and we're not going to try it today. But there you go. And we're both uh, when is answers. well? Oh, <laughs> thank goodness <laughs> this is radio. Nobody can see it. <laughs> when is the twentieth anniversary show? If people want to tune in, because I'm assuming there's going to be all kinds of flashbacks and lookbacks oh, yes. and all the rest of the stuff. When is that? All kinds of fun and no prizes. Actually, I think there are some prizes. But uh, anyways, uh, it is uh, a week today. Shouldn't you be giving out hams? Wouldn't that be an appropriate thing for uh, yes, or with Holmes. your co-host? Yeah, Holmes. Yeah, well, Holmes. It's it's just the English version. Yes, yes giving yes. out Holmes. Yes. Uh, so a week today? No, a week yeah. today. Yeah. A week today. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in the morning, though. In the morning, yes. In the morning, it would be really awkward to do morning live as a prime time <laughs> show. Yeah. They thought they'd give us a break and let us sleep in on our anniversary. Yeah. All of you would no, be asleep usually- on the set. Yeah, so what we're doing, uh, so we've got, uh, yeah, a lot of, uh, we've been actually working feverishly for the past uh, little while, putting together all the, uh, you know, our favorite moments, and uh, we've got a lot of uh, the old gang coming back and joining us via Skype, you know, for some virtual interviews and sharing some memories, and uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun. A week today at 6 a.m., you can catch Bob, and it's 6 a.m., right? Yes. Bob and all the rest of them and Annette who was on here the other day. And, uh, listen, really we've tried to do this for a long, long time. And again, I mean, I, I, I joke about it, but your schedule is really goofy and we're really glad that we could finally connect and get you on to do one of these. And uh, thanks for the time tonight. Oh, thank you, Scott. I really enjoyed it. The Scott Radley show. Weekday evenings from six to eight on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley show podcast is available on Apple podcast, Google podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.